Good evening and welcome to El Oso Fumar Takes. This is our 269th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplissy, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. Welcoming back one of my favorite guests that I've had on the show. I love talking to this guy. He is absolutely a wealth of knowledge, and I learn something new every single time I talk to him. And every single time I hear him talk to someone else, I learn something. We were talking a little bit before we even launched tonight's show, and I was like, I'm already learning things. This is great. I should have had the record button going, but that's my mistake. But nevertheless, we are starting here. But before we get to introductions, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. That, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate has done it once again. Jonathan and Drew and Pedro Gomez hosted the Liga Provada 10 Selección de Mercado events in Istanbul in Europe during last month's um, um, surrounding last month's Intertabac show in Dortmund, Germany from September 14th through the 16th. So the company's founder and president, Jonathan Drew, and global and brand ambassador and factory spokesperson, Pedro Gomez, hosted events in four countries before and after the trade show to support, support the SCAR's new release. Available only to international market, Selexian de Mercado is handcrafted to highlight the bold characteristics of the specially curated Connecticut Criollo Capa Leaf that's grown exclusively for Drew Estate by one farmer in the famed Connecticut River Valley. I have a feeling Connecticut's going to come up later today. Uh, the scar's name is Spanish for market selection. It is inspired by the old practice of selecting wrapper leaves by certain national markets by color. Drew Estate shows only the most beautiful rosada leaves to highlight Selexian de Mercado's bold yet deeply balanced and sophisticated espresso and earthy notes. So if you want to check out the latest and greatest, check out your Drew Diplomat retailer today and get if you are traveling internationally, make sure that you check out one of the proprietors that carries Drew Estate as well for the Selección de Mercado. And welcome, everybody. This is our 269th take. So without further ado, let's get to introductions of our guest of honor this evening, sponsored by United Cigar. Smoke one today and start living united. Mr. Nick Melillo of Foundation Cigar Company. Nick, how are you doing tonight? Bear, good to be here, man. Now I know why you're so chill before you start the show. Exactly, man. I got, you, I got to run it up. You bring the energy, man. Yeah, you bring the energy. The energy. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've actually scared people. They weren't like they didn't like first time guests that don't expect it coming, and so, um, the um, uh, the hands down the best reaction though, like, of like just one of the classiest people in the industry, but still like one of the best reactions I've ever got. I do something similar when we do, as you know, when we do like the the trade show videos where we do interviews at the trade show, you know, my, my energy yeah. level at an introduction is still, still pretty high, but George for drone, man, like was not ready, was not prepared. for oh, it. <laughs> and he was oh, like, man. he's like, Oh man, like, man, I just nearly shit my pants. <laughs> and like having George for drone say that to you. Like I could, I, I was like, bear, it's like bear depressed or something. Like is, I could hold it. Is, oh no, not at all, man. I'm like, not what's going on? <laughs> not at all. Like I, I said, the weather. Not, I hope he's not down. No, man. The, like I said, the weather's been dreary around here. So, um, and I would, I honestly, I, you know, this is like getting into old man talk. But I turned forty this week, and um, yeah, I, and I, for whatever reason, last night I just did not sleep well. So, um, but that's all right. It was good. Yeah. You know, I got I got a nap in this afternoon. Got a couple cups of coffee. So, the uh, the energy levels back up where it needs to be. So. So. I just drank my full full cup of espresso, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, let's rock it and roll it. But uh, so Nick, I we were talking a little bit about this before we kind of kicked the show off. It was just like we were talking a little bit about the um 
the I guess the I characterize it this way: the microcosm of where premium cigars lands into the the pie of tobacco. And you made a really interesting point, and I kind of wanted to share with our audience too, just about how, um, you know, how we there's even like the way that we talk about things like, you know, there's a war against like people are like, Oh, I only smoke boutique cigars and I only smoke, you know, or the people who smoke big box and stuff. But like your point was that it's essentially all boutique because it's just like, it's just a small sliver in the entire pie of tobacco. I think there's different levels to boutique. Let's put it that way. So in the sense of the whole tobacco pie, handmade cigars, is boutique in that in that scope right i mean we're a handmade industry there's not many left Mm -hmm. and this goes back a long time within that handmade cigars then you also have different levels of larger companies families you know people from the states starting their own brands You, you know you have different levels so i don't think it's just black and white all the time that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah i think the uh, uh you seem you seem impressed <laughs> i no. i well we said we i said this before uh, kind of in the introduction like i always kind of learn i always kind of learn something new when i talk to you always like because it it the uh the encyclopedic knowledge that you have of not just like cigars but just like to the tobacco and you know tobacco in general i mean have you i know nick you know connecticut Nicaragua like you've got it down I mean do you feel like your your knowledge base for like other countries too like the Dominican Honduras is any is anywhere near your knowledge of those other two spaces or is it no definitely you know definitely not and and I say this bare because everything is right a matter of time that we were talking about so I haven't spent my time working with those tobaccos as much um so I I wouldn't say you know at that level you know i don't work with a lot of dominican leaf some here and there you know my main experience has been with nicaraguan and honduran you know filler leaves predominantly and more nicaraguan than much more than honduran i don't know if i'm answering your question no yeah no absolutely yeah it was i'm you know, we'll probably get into this a little bit later when we talk about some of the cigars that that uh, will be released this year or have been already since uh, since the trade show and everything. But the it was it like I know you fell in love with the country of Nicaragua, and I know you obviously have a deep connection to your home state as well. But when you're blending with the with when you're blending with tobacco, is there is there a certain thing about Nicaraguan tobacco specifically that like because we all know how you feel about broadleaf as a wrapper, but like is there something about Nicaraguan tobacco that that speaks to you yes. and speaks yes. to your palate than than the other countries? Yes, it's that combination of Connecticut and Nicaragua is a beautiful combination. They just work; they can work very harmoniously together in in unique ways um i i mean you have that richness of the connecticut broadleaf you know it's hardy it's got thicker veins it's got heavy leaf you know it has some natural sweetness to it it has body it has some strength it's not overwhelming on strength and then you combine that with nicaraguan filler tobaccos which have come such a long 
you know, they've always been amazing. And then just add the past 20 plus years of care, of knowledge, of know-how, of quality control standards as a whole, you know, as, as a whole. Um, but then also that it's a unique leaf from working with it. You know, the bottom primings, it's very diverse, the Nicaraguan plant in strength and, and body also from the lower primings to the, to the Lijero, to the upper primings. I don't, you don't find that in other countries as much. Does that make sense? I'm kind of yeah, flabbering. No, no. <laughs> second time you said so, that. So, you know, know. Lijero, Lijero in Honduras or Dominican, even Cuba in strength is almost like Nicaraguan viso. You just, you just don't yield. It doesn't yield the same as it does in the land of lakes and volcanoes. Right. Because yeah, that of, makes sense. Because of the soil type. So it's amazing for me, that connection is just natural coming from Connecticut, you know, growing up around the aroma and loving broadleaf cigars, Connecticut cigars. And then seeing that, you know, over the past 20 years, kind of, you know, married together has been, uh, I think they work uh, well. It's, it's I'm so, it's so Tyler Jeffries not, in the house. You're not, you are not. It's so amazing to me. Like we were talking about time because I said like next month we'll be celebrating this podcast. will be celebrating six years. And the first time I had you on like, you know, six years, I mean, six years ago, I mean, foundation was a relatively newer company. When I first had you on the show, you were still like building a lot of things, but it's 20 years ago. We're still building, man. We're still I, building. I <laughs> it just doesn't stop, you know? 20 years we're ago. Not, we're not building a building. We're building a pyramid. It's uh, It's got a 13-acre base. Yeah. The foundation, right? The whole thing. The whole it's all it's the yeah. full circle, full circle to the name. The yeah. but twenty years ago, like Nicaraguan tobacco or Nicaraguan cigar manufacturing, what it isn't what it is today, and that just seems like to most people who've gotten into cigars, even in the last five or even ten years, that probably sounds mind blowing to them. Yeah, listen, you had, you know, really, you know, begin in the sixties, then you had war in the eighties you know, land taken, buildings taken, and then you had a um, new government in 1990. Mm -hmm. And then things started to build kind of from there. But then you had a hurricane in 98. So then the industry got whopped again. And then it slowly, you know, has grown from really the late 90, like 98, 99. Um, I, I was talking about this with someone a couple of days ago you know, what cigars were from Nicaragua in the nineties and you had Mi Cubana, mm -hmm. you had La Finca, um, you had, um, of course, Padron, you know, which just started really, I think uh, from, you know, my learning of them in like 95, 96, I want to say. Um, and, but you did have a lot of, Dominican cigars, I think, using Nicaraguan tobacco, which started to make sense when I moved to Nicaragua, kind of seeing how much tobacco was going, you know, to the Dominican and to Honduras. So that that was interesting early on to see, you know, 
a lot of where some of that strength levels were coming from, I think from some of the Dominican, not all of them, um, but you know, some of them. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember, I mean, cause we, we talked about like how you start your history and how you started like, and you worked in during the boom, which, you know, three quarters of the humidor was just trash, you know, for the most part, like quality of cigars, quality of tobacco and everything. When was this? Like during when the boom. Oh yeah. 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 During the boom, like the night. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but even like when I got into cigars 20 or, you know, now 20, plus years ago god bless my 18th birthday like i would walk into humidors too and like you know they're like none of those brands like i remember smoking some stuff early on that i actually really enjoyed that they're just not around anymore some of them are um but like a lot of them went a lot of them you know went by the wayside a lot of them went man so but um, a lot of them went oh we got to say what year did you start smoking my 18th birthday so uh that would be 2002 Okay. And what what did you start smoking when you first started? Uh my first cigar was a Fonseca. Actually, so I okay. I, I, I had 10, a good 10? I had a good starting two, point. 2 What size? You remember? I don't know cuz my my brother purchased them illegally from a cigar shop. <laughs> my younger oh, they were bro- Cuban. My younger brother. Okay. Um Yeah, they were Cuban. I had a box of Fonseca 1010 at my high school graduation party. No, these were that the Fonseca's was... manufactured by the Quesadas. They weren't, they weren't, when I say oh, they were. he was, okay. he was under the age of 18 and he purchased them. That's what I meant by illegal. Oh, got you, yeah. got you. Yeah, I remember smoking Fonseca in, yeah, 96. You couldn't get Maduros, almost impossible to get. Mm-hmm. They would come in once in a while. And the 1010s, I'm more than positive they were using shade from the valley. And they came in, you know, non-cello. And they were, they were tasty, man. They were, they were excellent smokes. They used to have an awesome torpedo too, or a pyram, like a pyramid. Um, yeah, Pepin started making Fonseca now. I haven't tried it yet. I really want to try that. It's I, I really like their their expression of it, their interpretation of it, and it's it doesn't. Um, there's a lot about Pepin's blending that there's kind of like a signature to it. Like it yeah. to me, uh, there a lot of a lot of his blends have something. This is something incredibly unique. Um, I do like the. I can't remember what size it is. It's the Cedros, though. It's the cedar wrapped one. That's my favorite. Yeah. Um, nice. That I that I like that I enjoy of it. So, um, but speaking of cigars, so, um, what are yeah. you smoking? Yeah. And then yeah. I have I have a choice for you tonight. You're actually going to pick my cigar for me. So. All right, I I do that for you. I'm smoking the new Charter Oak Pegnatero for my grandpa tonight. It's a chilly Sunday. I'm having a little, a little Willets for him, and nice. uh, one of his cigars. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a nice Connecticut man. I got to tell you, I got to get you some. Well, I'm gonna get actually, you some. That's actually one of I my. Should have been ready tonight. for this for this interview. No, it's what do okay. you got? I, so I have four cigars for you to choose from tonight. So I have, um, of course, the High Care Classel Senator. I do have a Charter Oak Pegnatero. I have an Olmec Claro. Uh, this is from the original box I purchased when uh, the original release. Like So they arrived at the store. I 
bought it blind. That's the first one. And that's the it's nice. yeah, from the first box. So it's aged over a year. And then uh uh and this is another cigar with some age to it. This is the uh five year anniversary. Oh wait one second. Nice. Listen, uh I mean, what are you feeling tonight? You have you been smoking all day? Have you not been smoking? Did you I, eat? I haven't been smoking. I've de I've definitely eaten today. So yeah, I mean, I'm prepared for for anything. Um, I, I would like you to smoke the Pegmatero, the okay. Charter Oak. Sounds good. Let's yeah. do it. These are shipping right now, so yeah. it makes it, it makes the most sense. They are. Um, I'm curious to to hear your thoughts. Yeah, um, I mean, I've heard some really good uh, just from some of the feedback that from the cigars at this trade show. I know how you. I know you're. Our previous discussions about trade slash samples. I know you're not wild about it, um, but a lot of people were really digging this, though. Um, coming off the trade show floor and everything, and um, Connecticut shade, particularly, you know, um, in Vegas just sucks. So you gotta you gotta put some humidity yeah. on it. But they were uh, they yeah. were uh, they were holding up apparently. So um, good job. Yeah, you know, Vegas. I always say to hold them, man. It's the worst possible place to test new blends. <laughs> I, I, I mean, to ship and to ship them, but you know, ten percent moisture content is not the greatest for smoking cigars. Um. Oh yeah. I. I and that warehouse. Yes, and consistently, like year over year. I mean, some people, other people have said it to me, but like you say it to me consistently each year. Like here, here's some cigars. Don't smoke them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take them. Take them. Take them back home. Bring them to humidity. Bring them to their rightful home. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I definitely, you know, personally smoke darker cigars, right? Um, I do enjoy Connecticut shade because I often would smoke Connecticut shade with my grandfather. Mm -hmm. whose name is Tony Pegg, Tony Pegnatero. Um, and he loved Connecticut, Connecticut shade, but he also loved flavor. And, you know, that, that was the key to some flavor. So I think it's a unique one. I mean, predominantly it's, it's all Nicaraguan. Um, you get that the filler and the binder. Yeah, there's some. I mean, there's some pop to that right off the get. Like if 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 I didn't know the story and I didn't know this is Connecticut shade, it's a little bit darker of a hue too. I mean, is that just happened to be the cigar I got? Um, or or yeah, there's going to be a, there's a there's a range in shade, but you know we're trying to do the heavier bear on the Connecticut shade because again, you, you know I try to stay away from the super lower primings, especially if you know, Connecticut shade because it's already so thin. Mm -hmm. So when you're in different climates, it's the lower primings can split much easier. Um, so generally I'm trying to get a little bit darker just for the body of the leaf. So it doesn't split, but that also helps with the filler and the binder because there's definitely, again, it's not all Seiko, the blend. It's not all, you know, super mild, uh filler leaves at all yeah i mean i i like the i mean i like the first impression of it just the left the light and everything i and every time i light a cigar nick especially particularly when i smoke with you um i'm always i'm always conscious of this um 
I because I've heard you I've heard you preach because I know it's your big pet peeve about where to place the flame when you're lighting the cigar. And uh, I know we've had this conversation on the show before, but like the the amount of times, like ever ever since you said that to me the first time, the amount of times that I see people lighting cigars and just sticking that blue flame like right on the right on the tobacco, like I'm just like, oh, thank God, Nick Nick's not here. <laughs> Listen, everybody do what you got to do, right? I mean, it's all about enjoyment. But if, you know, I'm asked my my opinion on how to light a cigar, you, you're talking about 2,800 degrees or higher in a blue. Yeah. That, that's like a Bunsen burner. So a soft flame is 800 degrees. That is a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I think definitely for, again, to test the blend, the blends were created to be at a steady constant you know combustion rate if you start puffing too heavy on them you know the blend is going to taste differently than what it's intended to be so i think just sometimes you know that blue flame you know how much does it affect flavor i don't know not something i recommend yeah if you don't have to but do what you got to do well i think like everybody do what they need to do I lit mine with a, a Zykar soft soft flame, and like even yeah. then, like like I had the flame pretty relatively pretty low. I mean it 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 does the trick. Like they, like you said, eight hundred degrees on the softest part of it. I mean it gets yeah because I mean, technically you're supposed to pull the soft flame up into the cigar. You know, mm-hmm. also you're not supposed to have that directly in contact. Um, you know, with it as much, because if you light it properly, you can keep the flame just below it and pull the flame up. Right. Um, and just take it nice and steady. You know, it's yeah, what- uh, all of these things. That's the amazing thing, Bear, you know, from seed to the finished product and storing the product, temperature and humidity play such drastic roles. You know, in in the cigar, uh, and it affects it. I mean, okay. Vegas at ten percent moisture content. You leave the cigar in the tape, you know, out for ten minutes. It's already starting to dehydrate. Yeah, and That's then you crazy. smoke that thing. We are shipping things out of you know, Nicaragua around twelve point five percent moisture content. This is why cigars sometimes they're not re- they have to leave at a certain moisture content in order to be enjoyed. If you start going down to 10% moisture content and you start sucking out the moisture content from the cigar and that dips to 10 and then it, around that and below that, it's going to be way too dry. And especially if you have heavier leaves, Viso, Lijero, when those get dry and then their fire is applied to them, they burn hot. Mm-hmm. And then the and then that throws off the entire blend. I mean, at that point, so we're hundred percent. Then you got to take it slow. Take it all right. Slow. Well, we're already knee deep into this, and let's. Uh, we're going to be talking about this Chagna, uh, Charter Oak uh, Pegnatero here just momentarily. So let's go ahead and launch tonight's major point, which is always brought to you by people. Yes, cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. 
It's what their life's work have been and always will be about. Power of the P protocol cigars. So, Nick, we're we obviously lit up the uh, the Pagnatero for uh, the the latest um, release under the Charter Oak brand. There was also an additional one called the Pasquale. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about the history of the Pegnatero. So you were talking about your grandfather, Tony Peg, who was it him that founded the grocery stores or was it a generation before that? It, it was his father. So my great grandfather um, actually came to Little Italy in New Haven. And I think he was around 15 and started working, uh, pushing a vegetable cart around uh, selling vegetables. Eventually, as I learned the story, people would show up at his warehouse where he would restock, you know, his cart. And then he said, well, let me open up a store. And then I, I think from, you know, after the war until the 80s, he ended up having about seven different supermarkets throughout New Haven. Oh, wow. Um, so he was, um, yeah, I remember him when I was uh, probably about six years old. He used to drive me around. Um, so that's Tony Pegg's father, but my grandfather was like the face of the store mm. and he smoked, uh, a pipe almost daily. He always had a pipe in his mouth, but then he always liked to smoke cigars, you know, at night and on the weekend. I remember you telling me he was a big pipe smoker too, but enjoyed the cigar. So, uh, do Pagnatero stores still exist or were they, did they, did he sell them or did the family sell them or what? Yeah, they sold them. The family sold them in the late eighties and then he eventually retired and then became a, a sheriff, um, in New Haven. Oh yeah. Shut up. That's cool. Yeah. At, yeah. At the federal court. And, um, yeah, he, uh, so I got to smoke a lot of cigars with him, which is really special. He passed away in 2020. He was 90, 95. Yeah. yeah. Just about to turn 95. Yeah. That's a, it was a rich life that he lived. That's crazy. That's... Yeah. Tony Pegg's the man. He was a big band jazz drummer. And, Shut up. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. What is it with cigar smoker, uh, cigar, the cigar industry and drummers, man? Everyone's like, there's a lot of musicians, a lot of drummers in this industry. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. He played drums his whole, whole life. Um, New Haven has a big jazz scene and a lot of music, you know, on the greens and whatnot in the summertime. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did that. I think, um, before the, you know, after the war in jazz, but he fought in Okinawa, made yeah. it through and, yeah, he's an incredible, incredible man. I love. I love so I had to do. I had to do a smoke in his honor. You know. I was wondering when you were going to get around to Nick because I mean, even I mean, you you started talking a lot more about him. I think more publicly, um, obviously, at, uh, after his death, unfortunately, in twenty twenty. Um, but I mean, I remember some of our initial conversations when we met in the cigar shop, and you, you. You, you, those memories were so rich for you and even just even private conversations. So I always wondered if you were going to do something to, to honor him um, and, and the family. Cause I know that the, the charter Oak is always uh, cause I mean, there's so many, we've, we talked about this last time. There's so many stories that you tell they're all interconnected um, with your brands, True. but the charter Oak I've always felt has been that representation of, your roots, your family, your history, 
And so I think it's obviously yeah. very appropriate that the Pagnatero is, is under the Charter Oak line. Yeah, yeah. Because this would have been their brand. Right. Both of them. Well, yeah. Like, that's why Charter Oak. Charter Oak was really made for them an, initially. You know, um, yeah, behind the scenes, like that was the creation of that brand was to make because uh, they they both smoke Connecticut cigars. Like that's what you smoked. Um, you know, you you smoked a lot of Connecticut brands that existed. So, yeah. So Charter he, Oak was uh, was one right. for them. This is a spec. You know, I say this is these blends. These two special blends are completely different from the rest of the core lines. They're completely different blends. I say this is the core line is what they would smoke every day, whereas this is something they'd smoke on the weekend or a special occasion. Right. Um, something different. So I mean the Charter Oak Connecticut is much mild, more milder, completely different blend. Um a little creamier you know, than this Connecticut shade. Yeah. 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 This has got more. This has got more strength to it. Definitely got more giddy up. I'm, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it so far. The, uh, well, I think it's interesting. You said, so, so Tony survived. He was in the, the Pacific theater. So he was in Okinawa. He survived there. So uh, your grandfather Pasquale, which of course the other line is named after. Um, he, he was also in world war two, if I'm not mistaken. There, there, there's a photo that I believe that you published that you'd found of him manning a, anti-aircraft gun yes he was an anti-aircraft gunner um in the army and fought in the battle of the bulge um and made it through that and i i actually do have his whole war photo album it's about this thick um of just incredible photographs i'm trying to eventually I think it's going to be donated to the World War II Museum. Oh, nice! Um, but um, it's it's incredible. It's uh, it's got pictures all over Europe and some pretty horrific pictures mm-hmm. um, in there from the war. But uh, I never got to talk to him about it because he passed away when I was fifteen, um, and then I inherited it from my father in an. Um, in an old trunk that my great grandfather had, you know, brought from Italy a long time ago. Um, so I've had this album and have all these pictures and yeah, That's I, I think, so. yeah, some, what it would have been like to go through it with him. And, um, but he was uh, a avid uh, Connecticut Broadleaf extra oscuro. That was, that was Pasquale. He loved um, a particular brand called Topstone. Um, also, you know, FD Grave, but they were always extra Ascudo. And we used to roll with him, go to Mr. Steak. You know, people used to sell cigars all over the place at that time in Connecticut. So they used to have, Mr. Steak used to have cigars by the register. And he'd always get his his broadleaf extra Ascudos and get us the bubblegum cigars me and my brother, and we'd walk out of there like a million bucks. Uh, <laughs> but that, you know, he liked that really dark, rich, you know, Connecticut broadleaf. So the Pasquale's made for made for him. Also got a, a, a 
you know, more body, more strength, I think more depth and complexity than kind of the core line. Um, you know, what you get from the core line is amazing. It's a beautiful story. It's just, you're not getting the range, you know, because they're more meant to be in that mild to medium range where I would put these, you know, medium plus on the medium plus side, again, depending on who's smoking them. And so this is, uh, you said in the album, I just want to, want to go back to the history of your, of, of your grandfather. Yeah, yeah, there. Sure. You also, you also found some letters where he actually was requesting his, asking his family to send these particular cigars that you're talking about. Yeah. So I have, and I always forget the name. They're like photo. They're like, how do I explain this? They're messages, they're letters, but they're printed on some sort of paper. Mm. And I have, tons of them and they're like army correspondents but they're like um it's not the actual letters they're like pictures of the letters or something i don't know what this is called i look like a total fool but long story short i have these transcriptions these letters from family from him um and requesting things to send to him and cigars are on the list that's awesome. Yeah. That's I mean it's 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 so cool to see like your like your family's history in kind of black and white like that. And again how it it's it's kind of come full circle for you. Like I mean, you know, I mean this was cigars were such more were a lot more commonplace. Again, smoking was more commonplace, but cigars were more commonplace, you know, a hundred years ago. And listen, man, they, 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 these, you know, once you have the invention of the cigarette, the high volume cigarette machine, right? You're talking about, I want to say in 1915, 1920, and then you have the war, and these guys sent cigarettes in the care packages to the troops. Mm -hmm. So I think it was, um, I think I was watching the JC Newman documentary, and one of the Newmans was saying they all came back, everybody came back cigarette smokers. Mm-hmm. after the war because they were sending them to all the troops but well, well yeah and uh, yeah you know, i mean early 1900s the or a five cent pack of cigarettes yeah. you know or you know i mean it's just economics too yeah and then once you start inhaling into the lungs you know you you get a, your body gets accustomed to it yeah exactly um a little more so yeah, war telegram. Somebody saying online, I'm seeing here. Quick. Yeah, war telegrams or mimeograph is what Jason. Mimeograph. I, yeah, I'm gonna have to research this now. Interesting. So um, I should know it. So just um, again to get back to the the roots of again Charter Oak being that representation of your family. Um, I was I was curious if um if if you've ever thought about kind of dabbling into the again you know you've you've gotten really rich into Jamaican history and obviously Ethiopia and you know Egypt with the Hiker Castle England so you like you you again it's all interconnected but like you've have these different stories have you ever have you ever thought about diving into you know your Italian heritage and maybe dabbling with like the way that they manufacture cigars in, in, in Italy, like Toscanos and things like that. Have you ever, have you ever thought about exploring that Avenue? 
because I know you're a nerd at heart. We were talking about this before the show. We were both nerds. Have I thought about it? Yeah. Have I thought about it? Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. I'd love to see your interpretation of it. There's so many potential products uh, there, you know? Oh, I know it's all up there. It's all whirlwind. So I'm not trying. Yeah. To, I, I'm not. I'm really not trying to uh, to 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 find anything that you're not willing to talk about. It was just something that came no, to mind no, for me. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, it, it's. You know, again, something I don't have much experience in is how mm-hmm. the you know, Toscanas are made, enrolled. I I know some of the tobaccos working with them, like Kentucky Fire Cure tobaccos. Um, but yeah, I'd. Um, I'd always love to like create kind of a smaller kind of style cigar, you know, because sometimes I like, uh, you know, a much smaller ring gauge, maybe, you know, a cigarillo style smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, doing it and doing it right and, you know, making it so it's to my liking. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I would love to see your interpretation with it, just because I, I've I've really liked the way that you've explored certain tobaccos and the blends that you've put together. Um, so kind of going into that um, with the Metapa, which is actually available now. So the Charter Oak, a Pegnatero, and uh, Pesquale are shipping now uh, earlier this week. Correct. And uh, Metapa is available at uh, select retailers now as well. So um, this is an entirely a different department of the of the story everything so uh i know you and i spoke yeah. about it obviously at the trade show but just for those who may not understand the significance and where that comes from uh let's talk a little bit about the story behind matapa yeah so um matapa the image on the band is of ruben dario ruben dario is one of the most important spanish poets and also Nicaraguan national hero. Um, early 1900s, he sort of transformed Spanish poetry with something called modernism. Um, this is very important, especially within Nicaragua. You know, I've heard Nicaragua referred to as the land of rebels and poets. Uh, <laughs> poetry is very much, you know, a part of the soul of the country. Um, and again, Ruben Dario is one of those figures, I think, no matter what side of the aisle you're coming from in Nicaragua, he's seen as distinctly Nicaraguan. Um, and this image always kind of had some remin- reminisced, uh, as sort of similar to that Bolivar band. You know, there was something about it that I kind of thought of. I just always saw him on a band. Um and Matapa is the the result of that. Matapa is where he was born in Nicaragua. It's south of Esteli. Um, it's now known as the city of Ruben of Dario, Ciudad de uh, Dario. Uh, it was named in his honor. But the Matapa plant was in many of his his poems. What was seen within the indigenous cultures in Central America as a symbol of the tree of life. Um, it's a type of agave plant actually um so that is when you open the box you'll see it on the cedar um we kind of place the story on the cedar in the inside of the box um with the actual plant um so it's something i've always kind of admired 
is is this imagery um and the band we found some amazing bands from from the 1800s um to use as some inspiration for this band okay and um yeah so uh i've never used sumatra ecuador on a blend that's gone to market i've used it have been a fan of it for many years but that's one rapper i i was yet to really create a blend around um and i think it's very unique to sumatra ecuador in in itself it's from my knowledge you know seed from sumatra that was brought to ecuador late 1800s um and to me it's not uh it's got some of this smokiness i get from it and if you're not too careful some of the upper primings to me it can lean a bit on the bitter side so the binder is crucial in the uh the connecticut broadleaf binder sweet it kind of rounds that out and then you have some of the richest, you know, fillered. It's mainly Viso and Lijero. There's one Seiko in the blend. Um, and I think it's it's got it's got some kick to it. It's got some kick to it. I I was really excited about you this. Know, I I say kick, but that, that's relative to a lot of people. For you know, it's got kick in the sense that it's using a lot of heavy Viso and Lijero. Mm-hmm leaves but again i think the binder wrapper combination kind of brings it all together so it's not all aggressive on your palate for a milder smoker it would be it would be a lot um but because it is is working together you don't feel the strength as much on your palate but you can feel it you know it could catch up to you sometimes i th- I, there's there's interesting uh it's interesting how blends kind of can can affect people in different ways like even milder there's certain mild cigars like there's that one cigar that's like everyone's like kryptonite i don't know what it is about i've i've, I've said this before on the show the the believe it the og excalibur hoya de monterey excalibur the claro not even the maduro the claro i can smoke the maduro just fine uh or, or the dark knight the the claro for whatever reason just like like hits my palate in this weird way where I'm just like it really kind of I don't know what it is it's the, but yeah I get really kind of I don't even get buzzed on cigars anymore that cigar still will kind of hit me weird it's so bizarre it's, I mean it's a good I it's a great cigar I just like it's so weird because it's a it's a lighter cigar and it's just weird which one is this the Hoya de Monterey which one Excalibur the Claro oh yeah yeah the number which one the number, number one three number one number one that's a yeah. double corona no yeah yes yeah yeah the claros i started on that cigar not first in uh yeah like 95 i used to smoke the threes all the time but why well, that has like, i haven't smoked one of those in a long time yeah they're still it's good I still like, for, for me it does i mean everyone might be laughing really? at me but for yeah whatever reason it just hits me weird no, i can man, do the maduros just fine listen. This everybody gets affected differently. Um, mm-hmm. You know that's why it's it is kind of relative. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see what how people perceive them, and you hear from different people what what did you think this new blend was, and 
you know, some people think it's, you know, heavy, other people's light. So it's, it's always interesting to see people's palettes. For sure. Jay Davis is, is, do you like it? Yeah. Do you like it? Jay Davis says he agrees though about the kick with the Matapa, but he also says it has an elegance and a balance and refinement to it as well. So some high praise. That was the goal, Jay. What up, Jay? How you doing, man? That was the goal, Jay. Um, and I think that's the, that's the challenge is to get that everything to work together, you know? So it's not jading the palette in any way. But again, I wouldn't give it to somebody that's, uh, you know, newer smoker on an empty stomach, you know, at 6 a.m. Not advisable. Outside of the, outside of the, I guess the Charter Oak Connecticut, I guess now the Pegnatero, there's probably, that's, the, the Matapa sounds like it's probably one of the, the lighter cigars that you make or light, light, lightest, lightest in body and strength. I don't know, man. Matapa? I think the Matapa Maduro's got some, it's got some kick to it. Got some kick. Yeah. I, I yeah. smoked it too. Toro I thought... Maduro's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Claro's again, completely, you know, brings a different flavor profile to the, to the tobaccos, you know, the blend. Um, it, to me, it does have more of that smokiness to it and the Claros, um, whereas the Maduro is, you know, got a little bit more of that, that sweet, sweet kind of raisiny kind of feel. Mm-hmm. I know we're big coffee drinkers with our cigars. You and I yes. both are this. Uh, the, I've, I just, I've, that was a great pairing. I see, I, I personally love one of my favorites is the, uh, the uh, smoking a way when say guapo with, uh, with coffee. It's just that, that hits every time, every time. Such a great pairing. Um, but to, to go back to the story of, the, of Matapa and the audio, the, um, I find it again to not to be too on the nose with it. I find it to be incredibly poetic how you choose to honor the people of of Nicaragua with your with your brands and your intent you're 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 very intentional with all your branding and th- th- this is one of the things that i love about you nick is like it's 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 so much more deeper than just naming a cigar to name it like there's a whole intention very like everything is very well thought out very purposeful very meaningful here's the reason why but going back to way say the wise man you know etc like you choose to honor the people of Nicaragua, even with this one, that's got a person on it. It's you're paying homage to poetry and what that means to the people of Nicaragua as well as cigars. So I think that's interesting that you choose to yeah. do that. Listen, my, my art directors, my good friend, uh, Alex Garcia, he's from Esteli. He's goes hand in hand with just, my experience in Nicaragua because I've known them, you know, since I got there. And when we're working on stuff together and we see it, you know, we, we want to do it honor and, and justice. And it is to pay homage um, to the history. And, you know, I think it's important for people to learn about uh, because we don't get exposed to, you know, Nicaragua, we kind of hear about it in the news, 
you know. Um, but people don't know, you know, I knew Wawense, obviously, people were not going to be able to pronounce it, right? Um, but the people <laughs> who did pronounce it there, right, is the people who wanted to learn the story uh -huh. and, and, and learn why did I call my first uh, project something that no one could pronounce? Because this it was important. Yeah. It was very important. The you know that word for people to. I never knew about it before moving down there. I didn't know the the history, and all I had was uh, a negative kind of you know image of what was going on politically and whatnot. But I knew nothing about the culture. Um. So you know, it's that's the intent of it. Um, for me, it, again, I'm creating blends. So what am I going to bring? Am I going to try to do a, you know, go to a marketing, you know, company and have a makeup, a, you know, a brand and, and, you know, do it that way? No, I'm, I'm, you know, using it as a vehicle to express things that I've been passionate about, just as passionate about cigars in many ways, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to me, that's, they complement each other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I hope that people, people get them and enjoy them and they can take them, you know, some people don't want to hear anything about, you know, the band or the, any of that. It's about the cigar. That's where we start is the tobacco is the cigar is the blend, but you can take it to different, you know, levels if you want to. Well, you, you bring us into your world, Dick, which is, that's, that's what I really appreciate about it. Like the, honestly, I, I, I I thoroughly enjoy most of your cigars. I mean, they're some of my favorites. They're in my daily rotation, what have you. And I, I mean, you know, I just talked about the way Wednesday and coffee. I mean, like they're, I mean, they're a part of what I enjoy about smoking. I mean, that goes without saying for me as a, like as a storyteller and a person who appreciates conversation and enjoys our conversation specifically, I almost get more excited about understanding the story behind like your choices and your new releases as I do about the cigar itself. Like I'm like, it's almost like the cigar is going to be good. It's kind of like, it's almost like a, it's a given at this point for me. <laughs> Cause I just enjoy your interpretation with tobacco and your palate. Like, I think we, we're aligned in a lot of ways, but I almost get more excited about the story about it. Cause I just know again, just the intent that you put behind everything which is just yeah really beautiful and again not to be too on the nose but very poetic about it yeah um yeah man it's uh it's an it's this cigar art you know is pretty amazing i mean sometimes i don't think it's uh people really appreciate it um mm -hmm. sometimes when it gets you know there's so much that goes in into everything and then they kind of you know, sometimes it's, there's a lot that goes into it. When you see that box on the shelf, mm -hmm. I don't want to start complaining. I don't yeah, want to start, I don't want to start sounding bitter. People rip it off you know, the tops of work, boxes. It, yeah, it is, I got you. <laughs> it's a lot. That, it looks so simple when, you know, it's interesting seeing the project, you know, start a project from nothing and then see it come to fruition and come in to you know into manifestation and then be shipped and and go out it's 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 interesting because it's 
it's almost like magic sometimes that, you know, it seems like it arrives, to, you know, on this, this side of the, of the, uh, the lands here. Um, I'm blabbling, I'm blabbling bear here. It's, no, you're... it's late. I think I'm fading out, but you're... you know what I mean? It's, it's a lot. Um, there's, it looks so simple, even in simple boxes or simple bands. It's the, the amount of work that goes in just to that, not even considering, you know, what's going in on the tobacco side right. is, is amazing. Um, right. so yeah. There's... And there's a lot of just levels of detail, in, sure. in involved in that you oh, can imagine so the uh so there was another release but i want to tie that into our tie that into the back end of our next segment which we kind of launch our fun segments here but I, there's one other thing that i want to talk about from the trade show and it connects to another thing that we do with the show uh on a weekly basis so uh it'll all it'll all make sense here in just a second but let's go ahead and kick off our uh, presidential trivia segment, which is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living United. Now, I was putting something together for you tonight, Nick. I, it's multiple choice still, um, but I think I think this was this may be the easiest, especially since you're such a scholar of so many things, including your home state. This might be pretty easy. So while associated, no, this with, is going to be bad. Bear, don't put me on the spot here, man. I think you got this bad. one. I think you got this one. While All associated right. with Texas, know, while associated with Texas, President George W. Bush was actually born in Connecticut, in this city. A. Bridgeport. B. Norwalk. C. Greenwich, D. Danbury, or E. New Haven. Where was George W. Bush born in Connecticut? Where was he born? Bridgeport. I'm going to go with New. I'm going to go with New Haven. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. See, you had it. I was going to say that, or it was uh, Greenwich. <laughs> yeah, he was born. Yeah, he was born in New Haven. So, where 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 were you born, Nick? Were you born in New Haven as well? New Haven. New Haven. Oh, okay. See? Yeah. See, see, see. Uh, great, greatness yeah. alike, man. U.S. President, Nick Melillo, born in the same city. There you go. Perfect. Um, This is just a little side, but yeah. I was I was looking at something, too. I thought I it just kind of blows my mind when you think about, like, I look at weird shit like populations and stuff. Where, uh, here's a bonus question. Just see if you happen to know this doesn't work. I don't does, does New Haven rank first, second, or third in population according to the 2008, uh, 2020 consensus? Does it rate number one in, in population? First, second, or third in population according to the 2020 census? New Haven in Connecticut. First. Bridgeport actually beats it by a little bit. I was surprised by that. Wow. I thought I thought New Haven had it. Like I like when I saw it. Wow. And we're not even talking about like I saw the numbers on this, Nick. I mean, I the town I live in now is really tiny, but the 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 Metroplex itself is is like seven million people. DFW area, seven million people. New Haven has a population of one hundred eighty nine thousand people, and that just seems really low to me. <laughs> like, and it's the second. Yeah, most that's interesting. Um, yeah, Bridgeport's been growing. Um, I think there's a lot of kind of reconstruction going on because it was all old factories, man. That was that was actually where the Topstone Cigar Factory was was in Bridgeport. Oh wow! Okay, 
for the longest time. Yeah. Yeah. And you've you've since moved the headquarters back to New Haven, is that correct? No, we're actually in Ellington, which is north of New Haven in the okay. Connecticut River Valley. Okay. So we're on a uh we're on Dunn and Foster Farm. It's a three hundred acre farm. Um right if you go directly east of the airport, Bradley International, mm-hmm. uh kind of like fifteen, twenty minutes to the east okay. across the river. Yeah. So we were talking, I wanted to ask this about when it comes to your home state, and obviously you have deep connections to the Connecticut River Valley, um, deep connections to your home state. You know, a lot of a lot of cigar manufacturers and brand owners have been growing, there's growing concern over the availability of, of genuine U.S. Connecticut broadleaf, right? There's been a lot of discussion around this, but you, you've sent, like, I mean, you continue to manufacture cigars and in fact grow your portfolio like the Pasquale, for example, with the wrapper and it's again it's one of your favorites so it's no mistake why it is but like is is the shortage um something that that you're concerned about or you you have you have your you have your again not to be too on the nose you have your foundation in place and you're able to secure the the tobacco that you need this is probably one of the issues that stresses me out the most. There's not enough Connecticut broadleaf. The past five years have been plagued with not the right weather conditions. This year was no different, unfortunately. The rain kept coming this year. A lot of it is five years has been because of rain. Two years ago, it didn't rain enough. It actually rained way too little. It was more of a drought, which is also not good. So overall, the yields coming out of the valley have been much lower, and then you deal with a rising demand, right? Fortunately for us, you know, Tabernacle, uh, the Broadleaf, the Havana Sea, people want them. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I can't get enough constantly to the market because of just basic yields, right? The, yeah. uh, it was the year before, uh, two years ago, of the crop came out out of all of it. And then you have a growing mass market. Mm -hmm. You have the legalization of cannabis. The blunt market has been growing. The demand for natural leaf has been growing. So you have that whole element, which the mass market consumes a lot of Connecticut broadleaf also. So because of these two factors, we have a very limited amount there. You got to also think, too, is the planning. We're planning two years out from fermentation, you know? So you have to plan and then see where the next crop, you know, we need to see yields from this crop, then to adjust our production properly so we're not completely out, right? Right. Two years ago, we were out of uh, Tabernacle Havana Seed 142 for four months because the fermentation piles that were in there for two and a half years weren't ready yet. Okay, so there's a lot that goes into the planning and then on the investment side. um, And then so this is what we're dealing with. And I love your feedback on this also. So this is the situation, right? 
Mm-hmm. I can only make so many sticks. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm just getting from the yield of the crop. This is this is just basic mathematics. So then you have a growing brand. So then how do you allocate product properly? You understand? Yeah. This becomes another challenge of, okay, do you, you know, you have a, a guy that's a regular customer. You've known him for five years. He's waiting for the new drop. You're only going to get two boxes in the store. Are you going to save them for him or are you going to sell those two boxes to some random guy that comes off the street? I'm going to sell to You're probably going to save them. You're yeah. going to sell them to your guy. Yeah. That so that, that happens on the store level, right? Right. You're, you're, you're allocating in a sense. Then I can't, from a crop standpoint, just go in and buy all the Lajero. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You got to buy the Seiko, the Viso, and the Lihara. So it's the same way with like distribution for, for, you know, sticks that this is why tabernacle sometimes is difficult to find. Mm-hmm. Um, um, because of this broadly situation. So yes, that was the long answer. It is concerning. It is concerning. Um, you know, it's, con- it's concerning um, what we do get. Again, it has to meet certain quality control standards. Of course. You know, so, in order to meet those certain quality control standards, it's a different situation. Whereas, you know, the mass market, they cut in between the veins, they got different yields, they can use the leaf very differently. Um, you know, for us, it's it's one of the most difficult leaves, I think, to work with Connecticut broadleaf in time, know-how, cost, you know, all of it. Jeez. And it's not getting any less than expensive with you know, rising costs. You were the first person to educate educate me on this topic about how uh, broadleaf is all all broadleaf is stock cut. Correct. Do you how how much? And this is just a learning opportunity for me and my audience. How much would it affect the quality of the leaf? Well, and when I say quality, also the flavor of the leaf. If in order to produce higher yields, they went away from stock cutting and just did primings. Yeah, it's not necessarily the stock cutting that's doing the main amount of damage, right? It's, again, weather conditions. Okay. And then the nature of the leaf. This is a short, stocky plant. It's more similar to what a filler plant would be in Nicaragua. It's not typical of a wrapper plant. A wrapper plant is usually sometimes eight, nine feet tall, much thinner, um, much taller. Filler leaves, plants shorter. That's what Connecticut broadleaf is, short and stocky. And then the leaves are very gigantic, some of them, depending on what seed type you're growing. And then they start to break because they're so big. And the tip of the leaf doesn't have sometimes a strong enough vein structure because it's so big to hold up and you get a lot of breakage where you're dealing with a lot of, you know, different diseases and whatnot. Um, You know, if you shaded broadleaf and then primed it, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, It would, you know, if you shaded, of course, it'd be much thinner. 
um, if you primed it, it could actually take on more body and more thickness. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, because it starts, you know, protecting itself um, and kind of shifting where, you know, the stalk cutting part, you're getting a lot of the nutrients directly from the stalk still. But well, that could, you, you just don't. Yeah. That would be affect the manufacturing of it too. Cause like it's already well known that broadleaf is the elasticity of broadleaf is already difficult to work with in general. So if you, if you have thicker leaves, that mean? would make it well, for, for, again, I am, you know, I haven't manufactured cigars, Nick, so forgive my uh, ignorance here, but like, yeah, yeah. it's always been my understanding that the elasticity of, of broadleaf has been difficult to work with in the sense of like, it doesn't stretch as much, uh, as much as other leaves because of, of how thick of a leaf it is in general. So if you're, if you prime uh, it, it, it becomes thicker, that would. Yeah. That depends on, you know, what maybe some of the very upper primings of the broadleaf wouldn't be as elastic because it's so thick. Um, but generally speaking, I wouldn't say broadleaf has some a decent amount of elasticity because okay. it has, yeah, because it has, you know, so much oil. Um, you know, it's very leathery. Um, there's there's a lot to the leaf, um, so I wouldn't say that it's not elastic. Uh, maybe some of the very upper primings are, are not quite as elastic. Gotcha. But if if you maintain it right, if you ferment it right, I mean, that's what you're really trying to maintain, right? And mm -hmm. taking the time and doing it slow and steady and maintaining, you know, the oils, the essential oils from the leaf. Um, mm -hmm. And this is what happens when you start taking it fast. I mean, you turn up the temperatures, you go too quick, you start losing, we say the grasa, grasa. I got to take some water here so I can say it better. La grasa, the fat of the leaf. Mm. It's got a lot of that. It, the Cuban seed has a lot of that. That's why it's so hard to ferment. Gotcha. The, the Havana seed in Connecticut is, it's got so much oil and elasticity. And that's what it takes time to ferment um, and to get it to the right right place while keeping the flavor. Interesting. Okay. I'm gonna lose you here, man. I'm gonna lose you here. No, I'm good. You look man. like you're <laughs> Absolutely not, man. You, you I, always really, you feel me in all the time. What are you talking about? I gotta do a hard stop at twelve, bear, because okay, you got I'm, it. It's late over here, man. You got you're it. Keeping me up on a Sunday. You got it. So, what's what uh, let's, time is it over there? Uh, it is ten forty-one. So let's let's move things. Oh, I'm only an hour. Yeah. So uh, uh, let's move things along here. Um. And uh, Jay Davis still in there? Of course, yeah. The Broadleaf Brothers keep buying a lot for blunts too. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no problem. Let's move things along I'm here. Old. So our charity segment all week long, all month long, has been for Canines uh, for Warriors. So I launched nice. a, I launched this segment uh, three years ago this this month and uh, on my birthday, and so uh, awesome. We usually feature a charity, and that's why I said we're going to tie this into your late, your other latest project. So check out. Yeah. I'm going to send a link in the chat. I'm going to also have it in the show notes. Canines for Warriors. It's a great organization. Supports veterans and dogs. Um, but you have a charity. Send send component. that link. So I'll, I'll 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 definitely donate something. Awesome. Um, but you have a charity component too with this other latest project that you launched at PCA. And uh, I mean, this past March you were, uh, um, you 
received an incredible honor uh, from the people of Ethiopia. Uh, and you were named, uh, the, given the rank of Knight Commander, which is uh, the latest project from what uh, what is coming from Foundation. So tell us a little bit about this. Fair. I, I mean, it's kind of uh, overwhelming to even receive such a title. Um, it still kind of blows my mind. A great honor to receive. Uh, it was called the Star. It is called the Star of Honor of Ethiopia, um, which goes back to the 1800s. And I wanted to be sure to give back. And so I created a cigar called the Night Commander. It's a six and three quarters by 52, 12 count box. We did um, 700 boxes. This is going to be a yearly release every around this time, probably going to do October, November. Um, and all of the sales on foundation side goes directly to um, Ethiopian charity, focus on education, scholarships, and entrepreneurship. So we're just getting ready um, to, to launch the site soon, probably in the next month or so. Awesome. Um, and we're going to have, you know, some, some really cool projects going on. So hopefully you'll be able to see them, you know, right on the site. Um, and see firsthand everything we're trying to do for uh, students in Ethiopia. Education is a very important to the uh, the Crown Council of Ethiopia and the last emperor of Ethiopia. He was actually known as the emperor of education. He he built a lot of universities and really promoted, you know, educating, uh, sending people abroad, you know, people learning. Uh, so I'm hoping we build some schools, provide some scholarships and uh, do some good works. That's awesome. So, so we're, we're almost there. We're almost. Yeah. People will have Go the ahead. opportunity to don donate to directly toward the organization, as well as obviously helping out the organization with the purchase of, of night commander. Correct. Correct. Awesome. Yeah. So all, all of the, uh, the profits on my side go directly into the charity. That's beautiful. Um, what I'm hoping, uh, Bear, we we weren't able to, you know, have something planned for the store side, but I'm hoping to provide that pretty easy QR code to people. So if they want to donate, they can they can donate directly. That's awesome. That'll be what a wonderful opportunity and and what a, again what a give back to the people of ethiopia you know you've you've long since honored them as part of again one of your mate many stories that you that you've done through your cigar branding and then to i i mean you you i mean it was not this wasn't just a private ceremony this was a whole gala event that you were a part of and and it was i mean it was like you said it was very humbling and awe-inspiring i'm i'm sure yeah, I'm pretty overwhelmed by a bear. I mean, I've been, you know, since I started smoking cigars, you know, people that know, kind of, I fell in love with Ethiopian history. You talk about geeks, you know, I'm a, I'm a geek of Ethiopian history and it, it kind of changed my, my world perspective. You know, I was 18 and all I knew about Ethiopia was starvation because we are the world. You know, we grew up in the, we are the world time mid 80s um live aid live aid you know it was a, a good intention to raise money 
Uh, there was massive famines that happened in the 80s after the communists took over in 74. It, it's not funny, but it was bad. Mm-hmm. So in this process, the whole country was branded as you know starvation. And then I started seeing how my grandparents knew about Haile Selassie, about mm-hmm. the emperor of Ethiopia, how this whole other generation during World War II honored Haile Selassie. He is the most decorated head of state in the world. So he received the most decorations. This kind of just shows how well received he was all over the world. Um, But he was crowned in 1930. That's what the tabernacle box is a picture of the coronation from November 2nd, 1930. This was the first time that Ethiopia was kind of brought into the world news because they would play images from the coronation at the beginning of movies. You know, they used to do the the news reel before you go to the movie theater and see a movie. So this coronation was played at at the movie theater. And because all of these different heads of heads of state showed up um, to the coronation and then six years later, Ethiopia, uh, Italy invades, and Selassie is the first one to address the League of Nations. So Italy evades, invades, Selassie eliminates slavery as he becomes emperor. There was still slavery in, in Ethiopia, and he had he he works for Ethiopia to be admitted into the League of Nations, which they were. Mm. And then Italy invades and nobody was doing anything because the League basically said that, you know, if anybody invades, this is, you know, you signed this charter saying you wouldn't do this. And Selassie goes to the League of Nations and addresses them. And it's kind of a foreshadowing of World War II. Because he ends the speech with saying, today it is us. You know, what shall I tell my people? Today it is us. Tomorrow it's going to be you. So So he was one of the first symbols of fighting the fascists and an allied victory in World War II because they ended up driving out the Italians in 1941 with the help of the British. Wow. So there's this very old connection between you know britain and ethiopia also and that i'm kind of getting into the weeds here no that that brings in the high clare castle point too like again it's all interconnected yeah. like all the stories kind of interweave and stuff they they um, really are yeah so knight commander it's it's a pricey stick it's been aging for 18 18 months bear in oh, nicaragua wow. okay so i had these made 18 months ago and they've been aging in cedar in my good friend Abdel Fernandez's humidor for the past 18 months. And so that'll be launching hopefully within the month with the launch of the website where people can. can so we're starting to ship next, uh, next week. People are already oh, okay. starting to receive night commander. So you, you'll start seeing a more, um, I think um, in the next couple of days, we're going to be making the announcement. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. 
Well, we have just a couple more uh, sponsored segments that will conclude our evening, Nick, and we can hopefully get you out right at uh, uh, right around your uh, your hard stop here. So appreciate so much the conversation; it's been fantastic as always. And we're we're excited about Metapa, which is available now in stores. Pegnatero and Pasquale shipping uh, have shipped this week, so we should start to see them in stores. And then hopefully, Night Commander will be coming in the next couple of weeks. You can try all of the newest releases from Foundation Cigar Company at your. Uh, local uh brick and mortar and if they don't have foundation cigars ask for them and you can have some at your local brick and mortar so we got so we got uh, a we got a slight hold slight hold on opening new accounts okay well, um, ask for it anyway so that you can get on the wait list get get it get in the pipeline get in the pipeline there you go so uh our you, next... you were saying high clear you were saying high clear castle yes sir oh was that what you were gonna say uh, well i was just saying how like the British helped the Ethiopian yeah. people expel the Italians. Yeah. And then, you know, you have this, you have this, uh, this storied line with Senator and everything. So. And Senator is coming out. We releasing, re-releasing in the next couple of weeks. Oh, fantastic. that's a, that's become a November release. Terrific. So night commander will. There, I tried to, I, yeah. Um, night commander will ship yearly by november 2nd okay and then senator we usually probably follow in november because that's the hunt that's the anniversary of king tut's discovery um awesome so you know last year we did it as the 100 year anniversary i had a lot of requests for the cigar again um so they twisted my arm so we decided to do it also you know every year november 500 box release every year yeah it's one of my favorite lines that you do i overall nick i think so you've smoked it before yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. This, this is my this is my last one from last year's batch the one that i, I asked you about earlier so nice. so um looking nice. forward to the re-release so um our next sponsor segment is uh, everybody eats sponsored by postani cigars if you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite everybody will always get theirs postani cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people they embody an attitude of gratitude and grit with postania everybody eats so nick uh there's a series of questions that we asked with this one but uh, we'll keep it at one so we what uh what is the best experience of eating with other people that you've ever had Wow. That's a great question. Best experience of eating that I've ever had. I with mean, other people, I, with other the, people specifically. With, yeah. With other people. I mean, you know, definitely uh, Thanksgivings with my grandparents, you know, with Tony Pegg at his house. These were, these were always good eating time. My grandmother would cook, you know, so much food, amazing yearly cuisine that we would hear year two. Uh, but those are some of the happiest, you know, memories and the ones that come up first. Mm -hmm. um, is that kind of what you were you were asking? Yeah. W was there a signature yeah. disc in the Pegnatero household for Thanksgiving? A signature dish. Um, the manigot, that we call it. The manigot. Manigot is what my uh, my grandmother would make. It was It's rolled pasta with regatta cheese in the inside. That was one of her. That was... That was one of her, yeah, specialties. Nice. That sounds yeah. That sounds like, and a she good made spot. a mean, uh, mean uh, broccoli casserole, and then she had like a meat, kind of meat and onions, uh, 
kind of casserole that was out of this world. Awesome. And man, what else, man? Man, man, man I'm, I'm most, I missed it. I miss those Thanksgivings. You could bring it back, though. Except to learn how to make it. You know, uh, my sister does. My sister and my mother. My mother's incredible. She she picked up a lot of the secrets. There you go. Awesome. But yeah, how about you? Eh? Um, th- Thanksgiving is a is a special holiday for me. I I I'm a Thanksgiving over. Um. I, I love Christmas, holiday? but I, I'm a Thanksgiving person over Christmas, though, because I, I just love I love the sharing of the meal aspect. I love to cook for people. There's nothing more satisfying than putting I mean, a dish in front of people that you've made. It's- I mean, I'll tell you, one of my coolest eating experiences recently was last year. I got to go to Ethiopia for the first time. And traditional, you eat all out of the same plate. Mm. And they use this bread that's called injera. And you don't eat with utensils. You use the bread to eat vegetable dishes, uh, beef, lamb. There's goat sometimes, and it's all in the same. And everyone eats from the same, yeah, uh, from the same dish. It's just one gigantic dish. That's awesome. And it's uh, it's beautiful. You know, it's it's you eat from the same dish, then it's a sign that you will not deceive each other, that there's a, a bond and a friendship oh. there. And then after the, the roasting coffee comes out. So it's usually on a, like on, on an iron, uh, like on a Skittle mm-hmm. um, and it's roasting coffee beans and they're smoking and they'll bring it around to each person at the table. And you, you sort of, use it to kind of they call it smudging you kind of put the smoke in your face and let it kind of wake you up and before then the coffee comes out the coffee comes out with frankincense and myrrh usually oh so you know coffee (laughs) it turns out goes back to priests were the first to consume coffee so they can stay up at night and pray this was when coffee was first consumed, they noticed their goats were eating these berry bushes, and that they would kind of, they would call them the laughing goats. And uh, there's a very famous story. I forgot the priest's name, but in Ethiopia, it's the origins of coffee. And then they started sort of making, you know, taking the 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 berries and then eventually the bean out, and. So this is why it's always served with frankincense and myrrh in a traditional Ethiopian restaurant. It will always be served with frankincense and myrrh. Wow. That's yeah. It's pretty amazing. It goes back a long way too. I need to try this. So crazy. I, I, I've had Ethiopian, the, the, the tradition you're talking about with the the type of bread I've eaten. Yeah. But I haven't. Yeah. I haven't done the coffee thing. Yeah. That needs to happen. So, yeah. um, last two segments here, Nick. So, the last couple of questions, and we'll we'll let you go for the evening. And again, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you. But this next segment is brought to My you pleasure, by man. Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than a physical place; it can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So, light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So Nick, you've you've answered this question before, and if you it's the if it's the same answer for you or something similar, but I guess let's take it let's let's 
since the last time we spoke was over a year ago, let's take it back in the last 12 months. When was the moment that you had a, with just a cigar? Like there weren't like, this is such a communal thing, community thing. You're usually smoking with other people or other people around, but what was uh, the last in the last year? What was a moment that it was just you and a cigar? What were you smoking? And what was that moment about? Let's see. Um, I was smoking one of the test blends of Matapa and I was in a park bench. Um, yeah, but that was a while ago. Um, so it was one of the Matapa um, Maduros and I, I had a Claro too. But, you know, when I come back from Nicaragua, whenever I'm working on blends, I always end up taking them stateside, of course, and then letting them sit for a week, depending on where they're at, um, and then smoking them kind of by myself. Um, so I think it was then and then smoking at my office. Yeah. Sometimes I like to have a cigar when get in early before no you know anybody shows up, light up a morning smoke, get my coffee in. Yeah. Get some music going. Start the day off right. Set the set the meditation for the day. Awesome. Hopefully I'm not too stressed out or going crazy. There you go. Well, Nick, what happens, Bear? One one it final happens. one final thank you so much for tonight's <laughs> evening. Um and again, again, like you said, it's late. The fact that you uh this is now your third appearance on this show and you make time for me every Sunday night. And I know I know it's super late for you. And you work incredibly hard, uh, and I know you're an early riser too. So it means more to me than than you'll ever know um, that you make time for me on Sunday evenings. So Thanks, thank man. You so much. I always enjoy talking with you, man. It's nice to uh, to talk shop and just hang out and smoke and and talk cigars, man. Absolutely. So feelings mutual. So this last segment, of course, is our curveball segment which is always brought to you by dunbar tobacco and trust fastballs or curveballs it doesn't matter since the company's inception steve sock has been knocking them out of the park eight count them up eight consecutive years in the consensus top three congratulations to our good friend mr steve Saka. so nick i want to he's take a beast he is he's a beast that's Saka. both you guys are so uh going back a little bit in your own personal history you worked at the vatican years ago which is always a great part of your story so the if the this is a curveball segment, so this is a made up scenario. The Vatican calls Nick. The Vatican calls and says, "Hey, we are hosting a dinner for five hundred dignitaries, ho- heads of state, religious figures, and says we want you since you were working here one day. We want the found- Foundation Cigar Company to supply a cigar for everyone to smoke." They want you to bring one cigar, just one, just one of your cigars for five a 500-person dinner. What cigar out of the foundation portfolio are you bringing to this dinner? Tabernacle Night Commander. Okay. Tabernacle Night Commander, hands down. You know, it's it's a heavier blend maybe for some non-smokers, but because of the age on it, um, Bear, it's, it's, it's more nuanced than the core line Tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's toned down a little bit. Um, so I would, I would choose that one. It's a snap choice for you. I mean, any other, uh, other than just the, the makeup of the blend is the okay. reason why it's so easy for you to choose that one. 
Yeah, because it's. A, I think it's that it, it would be that, or it would be the Tabernacle Havana Seed uh, Corona. Okay. Awesome. The Corona Havana Havana Seed Tabernacle. The Corona in the Havana Seed. Oh yeah. And the you know sometimes the Europeans like a little bit of that uh, smaller ring gauge. Mm-hmm. You know, Corona size is a nice size, but. Those Coronas, I think the Tabernacle is perfect. Um, you know, Haile Selassie had a relationship with the Pope um, even after, you know, or late 1800s, and they invaded kind of twice Italy. So even through all of that, there was there was always a, a relationship there between the Vatican and Ethiopia. That goes back thousands of years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There's actually a college in the Vatican um, so, you know, I didn't work right in the Vatican. I worked uh, during the Jubilee, which was the year 2000. Uh, there was pilgrims coming from all over the world. And I helped. I started by helping pilgrims at different sites throughout Rome. And then eventually I worked for them for World uh, World Youth Month, which was that August. There was millions of youth coming into Rome august 2000 um so i was helping uh there and arrange logistics it was it was wild um but there's a vatican college in the vatican so that goes back to i think it's the 1200s and 1400s mm-hmm. there was pilgrims that came up from ethiopia to rome seeking uh saint peter and saint peter's tomb so they couldn't communicate with them but they noticed crosses so that they knew that they were christian and then they actually granted them a church within rome but then also started this uh vatican ethiopic uh uh school on the vatican grounds so if you go into the vatican you know it's a very small place but they do have an ethiopian school there which is fascinating it's so fascinating how your life's story for one, it's 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 one for the ages. It's so rich. You've lived such a life, and you're—I mean—by no stretch of the imagination are you even like even close to the end of it. You've had such an interesting, I hope not, incredible man. story, man. <laughs> and it's it's amazing how you've been able to draw this. I mean, it, it's almost like a Venn diagram of Foundation Cigar Company, the lines you've created, your story. And how it's interwoven in so many sectors. It's just there's yeah. it's just great. We've done it a few times tonight, just by happenstance. Yeah, because and that's what the main impact was, Bear, when I learned about Ethiopia. I'm smoking cigars and I'm learning about Ethiopia. It made me see things as interconnected. Because then I started seeing scientists were saying the first bones come from Ethiopia. Like literally they were finding all the bones in the Rift Valley of Ethiopia. And then I was reading the Bible in university, not as a religious text, as an English class. And Genesis starts as the Garden of Eden, right. describing it as Ethiopia. As one of the, uh, there was four rivers, Tigris, Euphrates, Gihon, and Fihon. The Gihon flew through the land of Ethiopia. Yeah. So I'm saying, here's science saying this. Why is a religious text saying this? And then eventually when you look into it, 
we all stem from the same root and common origin. And that kind of shifted my kind of perspective. That's just how I see things through the, the lens, through my lens, right? As interconnected. And it, when you look at it at the end of the day, it is somehow it, it's, it's all intricately interconnected. And this is what I meant earlier about like, I, I, I get almost more excited about the story than I do about the cigar. Cause I mean, I know the cigar is going to be incredible because of your, you know, your passion yeah. and, and how diligent you are in that process too. But I mean, all of it, all of its diligence, all of it's just focus and intent and purpose. And we talk I'm about starting that. to get into now is more the history of two of smoking. Mm. Where did this start? Where did smoking begin? When did uh, this this take yeah, a crack at it? Well, the early, I mean, the earliest. I'm listening to. Of, yeah, the earliest things. Of, yeah, absolutely. The earliest yeah. things of smoking yeah. uh, or history of smoking that I know is about you know with indigenous populations. You know, you obviously hear about you know the whole the whole tradition of peace pipe here in 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 America with Native Americans. The the Cohiba, right. the Bejique in the Caribbean, obviously yep. various, you know, Olmec. pretty much the story. The story Olmec, exactly right. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm I'm assuming uh, here in the Americas is where where we see that tradition start. Did it start somewhere else? So this is what I originally kind of thought, also, but then I'm sort of learning, and I there's a lot I I have to uh, investigate about, but you also had the Mesopotamian, Mesopotamia, Babylonians, in uh, Indian, Egyptian, actually smoking um, hashish potentially, um, oh. but that it evolving, it evolving out of shamanistic or religious ceremonies of incense burning. Mm -hmm. So, incense burning eventually would also become in, in a lot of the shamanic rituals is smudging ceremonies smudging is when you actually take the smoke and you're just sort of blowing it onto you like protecting and purifying you know your your like your energy field and uh having like the great spirit bless you so they think through some of these rituals maybe of so much smoke you start to see yourself exhaling the incense does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So if you're in a religious ceremony and you're like packed in there and they're burning, you know, <laughs> things you're going to, you, you know, it's going to be like a clam bake. Yeah. You're going to, you're <laughs> going to be bringing it in. So, yeah. So, which I never thought about because I've always associated with tobacco and this side of the world, but it, I, I think smoking could go back, you know, and, I have to check into like hookahs, but pipe smoking was happening here. Uh, not here. I mean, um, that part of the world also. Wow. Yeah. Which That's is interesting. It is very interesting. Well, Nick, again, uh, we just want to go ahead and send off tonight's evening. We really appreciate all your time as always. Um, again, I've learned so much tonight. So does my audience. And uh, you, you never uh, you never cease to amaze me on that front. And uh, you never disappoint either. And it's, it's, it's always just a pleasure speaking with you. I 
Um, I've always felt a kinship with you, our appreciation for history, uh, beards, hats, cigars. It's all, you know, we all, we have, we, we have a lot in common. And, and Same uh, here, man. Same here. That's why I, uh, I always like coming on and, and talking shop with you. I appreciate it very much. So, uh, to our audience, thanks for tuning in as always, and always staying up late with us. We do appreciate all those likes, shares, and comments. Keep them coming on our Facebook live. We have our Facebook live, um, broadcast every sunday night starting at 9 30 central you can uh, tune in then for a calendar of upcoming events pay attention to our facebook page Alos for more hit the like button and you'll find out more every single week if you uh, are a youtube subscriber go to our youtube channel Alos for more hit the like button as well subscribe button rather and uh you can uh, tune into all of our videos on youtube as well as if you're listening to us on podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts whether that be on apple Podcasts, spotify google play podbean or wherever you listen to podcasts including iHeartRadio. Be sure you hit the download, subscribe, and review buttons as well. If you are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit the word unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit resubscribe because that actually helps my numbers, believe it or not, and allows me to get great guests like Nick whenever I want. So uh, for everyone out there, thank you so much for this incredible opportunity. We just want to thank our audience, thank Nick, and uh, this has uh, been another amazing take live from the Alec Bradley studio of uh, Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplissy, as always. This was our 269th take. Next month, we celebrate six years of L.O.S. Fumar takes. He's Nick Melillo of Foundation Cigar Company, everybody. And guess what? We'll see you next time. Peace. Hey.